Hey friend, I'm Robin May and a few of the professional hats that I wear includes being a transformational speaker, a life coach, and a licensed therapist. And personally, well, I'm a wife, a mommy to three girls, and a pastor's wife, just to name a few. Girl, I'm over here doing all the things while trying to stay in shape and keep my skin clear. But the truth is, I don't want to be known for being busy. I think that's a scheme that somebody set up. No, I want to be known for living a life that is in perfect alignment with what God intended. And I want to help you do the same. So it's with that in mind, I'd like to welcome you right here to Intentional Conversations with Robin May and friends. Over here, we're creating a safe space to have real conversations with real women on real topics. This is a judgment-free zone where we can be vulnerable and honest and curious about our lives so that we can elevate not just what we do, but who we are. So if any of that resonates with you, again, welcome to our safe space. This is Intentional Conversations with Robin May and friends. Hey, sis, one more thing before we get started. Listen, a few years ago, I started asking women to define what happiness means to them. And when I tell you, I was shocked how hard it was for women to put into words their happiness. And the truth is, I could relate to it, girl. Life can sometimes get so crazy that it's hard to be clear on what happiness looks like and feels like to you. And so with that in mind, I created the absolutely free five-day Define Your Happy Challenge. I am on a mission to help 1,000 women define their happy. So if you're ready to get clear about what makes you happy, head on over to defineyourhappy.com. Okay, that's it for real now, y'all. Let's get started with this week's episode. Hey girl, this is Robin. And listen, I wanted to get you all the way caught up in case you missed part one of this conversation. This is actually part two of my conversation with Nikki Washington, the author of Unplanned Perfection. Girl, in part one, we talked about Nikki's childhood and how her childhood experiences continue to shape her life, her story, and her journey. Girl, your childhood experiences have done the same. We talked about several of these traumatic experiences that Nikki had and how that began to fuel her relationship with others and her relationship with God. She talked about how she had this not good enough idea or mindset around her relationship with God. Girl, she tells this compelling story of her relationship with her father and how that began to undergird this idea that she wasn't enough. We even talked about her style. Nikki is, in my opinion, a style icon. And so we talked about her style and how that was her voice, how she used her style to communicate what she felt about herself. All of that, girl, was part one of this conversation. So if you missed it, make sure you go check it out. Girl, in part two, we're getting into the good stuff, honey. We're talking about her love life. We are going there. And so I cannot wait for you to catch this episode. Now, listen, as you are listening, I want you to listen through the lens of your own story. I want you to apply her takeaways and her ahas to your life so that you can have your own breakthrough. Okay, that's it, girl. Let's go ahead and dive into part two of this conversation. Let's go deep again. So you share in the book, you say this in the book, listen to this. You say, I still dealt internally with the doubt and anxiety. 
I just leaned more on my family. This is a pretty long snippet, so go with me. I just leaned on my family to soothe me when I felt overwhelmed. I learned how to disassociate at a high level. To this day, it's something that comes very natural for me. If I had a dollar for every time someone told me how easy or painless I make something look, I'd be a very rich woman. I could be at the end of my rope. No one would know. It's a survival mechanism that has gotten me through some very traumatic times, but it's also left me pretty lonely because most times no one knows how deep something is cutting me, but me. And so you go on to say this sick dismissal of that traumatic experience, this sick dismissal didn't allow me to fully acknowledge what I was going through. The impact was very evident in my everyday life, but I didn't fully acknowledge it until years later. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. So uh, the sick dismissal and how it didn't allow, you didn't allow yourself to go through yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't. It. I, and I mean years and years. Mm -hmm. And so, and again, I felt it and it felt like everyone could see it. Like yes. it's, it, it was, I felt very shameful. Mm -hmm. I felt very like, like I just wanted to hide mm -hmm. and I was tiptoeing through life. Like, do you see it? Can, can you like, because it seemed know? like it was this billboard. Like on that scarlet letter. Yeah, scarlet like, letter. Like yeah. on your shirt, you know, and everyone could see it. And I'm just trying to, and I'm like relieved mm -hmm. when I realized like, you don't know, you can't mm -hmm. tell. Mm -hmm. But I also wasn't allowing myself to feel like the pain from it. Mm -hmm. And I think I falsely convinced myself that that means I was, I was healed from it or that I wasn't mm -hmm. impacted, you yes, know, because so I wasn't allowing myself to, like, I wasn't in turmoil about it. So yes. again, I'm, it's the story of you getting in a fight in third grade. It's like, yes. why would I bring that up? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's why so I, Why would I talk good. to my therapist about that? Wait, because, <laughs> wait a minute, y'all. When I read the book, <laughs> this is what she asking me. I said, <laughs> You have you brought in it? Not just the trend, all these traumatic. I said, have you talked to your parents? What? Why, Why would I bring that up? For what? <laughs> we, I'm paying you per hour. Why would I bring up things that don't matter? I mean, and it was lit I was literally like, Nick. But I think so many of us can relate to it again when we think about putting whatever our stuff is on the shelf. And if we are able to function at some level of normalcy and we just have our stuff like and we can justify our dysfunction and we can say, I just don't fool with folk when they do all that drama stuff. I just don't fool with them. We can play down our traumatic mm -hmm. response. Somebody said something the other day that was one of my clients said this to me and I was like, Girl, you done read me for Phil. And I just kept on going like, she probably looking at this podcast. Hey, girl, she said this and she was talking about how she is, I consider myself an ambivert. I like to be by myself. I um, can turn on in public, but I get fueled by being by myself. And so she was talking about that for herself too. And she said, but you know, I understand it was a trauma. It's a traumatic response for me because I have only found safety with myself. Mm. I said, I said, well, sis, when you say that next time, well, act sis. like your therapist taught you that, wow. right? But she's saying this natural tendency of hers just to be by herself. She realized it looks fine to other mm -hmm. people, but it's a trauma response. And so you're saying how you didn't even recognize how much that was still impacting you in all the situations yes. because that one traumatic event, Nikki lays out several traumatic events, including, mm -hmm. and I don't mention this um, in my notes, but including your house, you y'all losing your house to mm -hmm. a fire and having to sit there and watch that. It's so many different experiences. And so 
All right, so we've talked about so much. I want to keep going. Um, I'm going to skip over how you and Mark there. went to jail. <laughs> I know where, I know her family, her brothers, why I'm saying Mark's so cavalier, but I ain't going to talk about how you and Mark went to jail. Locked up, honey. Okay. You can't get me. How's the song? Okay, don't do it. Don't. Okay. <laughs> you don't know it if you can't commit to it. No, I don't know it. Don't give it But half. Mark and Nikki went to jail. We're going to skip over that. Uh, let's see what we're going to Okay. I think we want to get on down to this part right here. Mm -hmm. This is a, a question because we're about to turn the corner into your love life. Oh, we didn't talk about whether or not you're married or single. Hey, girl. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> Very much unmarried and single. Friends. F find you. you Where I'm is on my man? Friends. <laughs> <laughs> we're on the lookout. On the lookout. So, yes. I am on the lookout. So, if you had to describe your love life, in a six-word sentence, mm -hmm. what would the sentence be? It is what I think I deserve. Is that six what words? I think. What I think. I, it's, it's what I think I, I deserve. Think I deserve. Yes. That's your I sister. think the manifestation of my relationships, I, for I go into relationships like, waiting like trim mm. like waiting for them to waiting for them to realize i'm not worthy of of them being here mm. and then the relationship plays out with me kind of tiptoeing through mm -hmm. experiences and showing up a shell of myself in order not to you know make that the thing happen faster which yes. i feel like how i feel like they all leave when they realize you're not good enough, mm. right? Everybody does. And so my love life, it, it really, it was a manifestation of that. You now, be, I believe did you just pop? Did you just pause I believe and say something was? different now, friends, okay? Because <laughs> you just said it was, it baby. It was. It was. Ooh, it's not. It is not what I believe anymore. Uh -huh. But when I, when I look at those just, like those pivotal relationships, I'm like, it's showing up that way because mm -hmm. like that's that's what I believe I deserve. My God. So you just said something that you and I have talked about a lot, but I want you to give that sentence again. You said I um, have an un you had this undercurrent, this belief system that once they discover that you're not enough, they all leave. Mm -hmm. And you're not just talking about romantic you mean relationships, mm -hmm. period, mm -hmm. that once somebody sees the, 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 their blindfold is removed, mm -hmm. they leave. And yes. so because you had that belief system, you were holding your breath in relationships. Mm -hmm. and it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, yes. Just, I mean, just tiptoeing, mm -hmm. like, and you know, just, are they going to call it a day? Okay. And you, you take a small sigh of re relief mm -hmm. but it's it's temporary mm -hmm. and when things things come up relationship disputes or you know just the ebbs and flows when it's ebbing you're like this is because this is because mm -hmm. this is because this is because and if it ever comes back it's like okay it's not not yet yes. not yet kind of a thing not yet like yes. it's gonna happen it's but going not yet to happen it always happens yeah it's just it's, it's just a win so one day we were talking and because most of my single friends say that I'm very difficult to deal with on this relationship journey. Y'all, do they know? They don't know. She don't like nobody. <laughs> so if you out here in these streets, 
don't bring don't don't run your man past Robin May, okay? Because he's gonna run right out the door. My girlfriend say that I'll be like, his name starts with a J. I don't like that. I mean, I don't like I even, I'm like, I went. I actually went on a nice date. Uh, this I don't like this. This is feeling like what? What do you like? Okay, me at home <laughs> because it is so difficult. I, it's just so hard for me. But I I mentioned that because when you just said you feel like eventually they're gonna leave, you and I would have um, I would trigger you a lot because I would say language like let's just go ahead and pull the bandaid out. Let's just. Let's get through the niceties. Let's just mm -hmm. go there yes. because that's my stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't like to hold my breath. Uh -uh. What, what is it going to be? And you're like, and Robin, like, you trying to trigger me. Right? <laughs> yes. You're trying to rush me to the trigger. I'm yes. trying to run away, away from, from it. Trigger, like, yeah. And I'm literally trying to tiptoe because that in between feels a little bit better yeah. than that. You know, yeah. I'm thinking it's going to always lead back to that. Mm -hmm. But I'm also finding some solace and I'm trying to tiptoe, trying not to, you like, come on, come on. Get it over with. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> just ask him a question so he can just break your heart right now. <laughs> Girl. So, so I know my clients are like, woo, I get it too. Okay, so I want to ask you this question. How many times would you say you've been in love? Let me before you answer. Let me see if I can guess. Hold on. Okay, guess. Okay, I think I know the number. How many times did you say? I would say three times. Yes, you did I was saying three times. I would yes. say three times. Now I want to. I want to preface it by saying that first time, I don't know that I've allowed myself to reach that level of crazy in love ever again. I mean, Beyonce. Hey, girl. <laughs> Yes, see how you guys see I know. It. It's ridiculous, but absolutely, Honey. that was. And so everyone after that was like, "Okay, I love you. We doing we're this. doing it." But yeah. I'm also in control of myself. Okay, yeah. um, but that but was yes, that young times. love. Yes. That was that young love. And you talk about that a little bit in the book. And what's so powerful about that is you really give grace to both of y'all mm -hmm. because you understand um, what that dynamic was. Yeah, we. I mean. We it it created well it reinforced mm -hmm. and that was damaging for me because it reinforced mm -hmm. that belief yes. system. But outside of the belief system, like we were just young, immature, mm -hmm. trying to figure it out mm -hmm. with each other, and it's just like not giving each other grace. Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was a, a lot. whole bowl of crazy. So but, it, that was that, and so then you did get married nine mm -hmm. years ago. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Awesome. Nine years ago, how long were you married before before y'all were divorced? Divorced. Mm -hmm. Um. So we had divorced in 2018. So we were married four years. Y'all were married four years. Okay. Yeah. So we go through this journey. Um. Or you go through. You see how I put myself. Did you see how I say we go through she this journey with us? <laughs> So friends, we were you, not all married. We were together. not all married <laughs> together. So you go through this journey, and it was pretty challenging. And one of the beautiful things about the book is that you tell the story, even of that traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. And I am reading it, watching you try to be very careful mm -hmm. about how you tell the story. So I want to read something that she put in the book about the journey of her marriage and divorce. And this is a pretty long snippet as well. 
So you're talking a little bit about what you began to realize mm -hmm. and what you may have seen in the beginning. Mm -hmm. okay. So you say, they say that hindsight is 2020. If I'm completely honest, the yield signs were present to, at the first date. Little subtleties and overstepping of boundaries that were evident in not only the interaction with me, but with others. I brushed off so much early on as personality differences, not recognizing how those same things would blossom in time. Fundamentally, I knew I wanted to be how I wanted to be treated. I just had no idea what that looked like. So I didn't know it shouldn't feel how it was mm -hmm. feeling. Again, this past undercurrent of your life experience. I hadn't experienced a healthy connection yet. I was just winging it. I truly thought true love showed up in the fight or in my shrinking back. Mm -hmm. That is what I experienced in my relationships up until that point. So I didn't think it was odd that everything involving this new relationship required more work than I had imagined, more work than people around me seemed to have to do. Again, that same theme mm -hmm. of comparison, especially if that work led to the outcome that I had imagined a long time ago. It wasn't conscious anymore. Subconsciously, I was still tying my worth to an outcome being so willing to sacrifice even myself to attain an end would cost me deeply mm. baby Ooh. are you proud of you girl i said that did it girl so you said being so willing to sacrifice even myself to mm -hmm. attain an end would cost me deeply you talked about seeing some things in the beginning talk mm -hmm. to me a little bit about that i by the time I met my ex-husband, I this I was coming off the heels of so my first love mm -hmm. and that being a failure in my eyes, in my experience, I was still experiencing it as a failure. Mm -hmm. And then my dad passed away in that interim as mm -hmm. well. And that was just so devastating to me. Mm -hmm. And I just remember feeling like I, I want to win. I need a win. Like I need something to work out for me is it was I was feeling emotionally like mm -hmm. just drained like I I can't continue to continue at this rate mm -hmm. um and so I hyper focused on what a win would look like mm -hmm. and around that time my friends are getting married my mm -hmm. friends are having babies and I was more focused on the end and mm -hmm. then inserting somebody into yes. that space versus who's the person that God has, you know, for mm -hmm. me? Like, what are the characteristics? What what do I need to mm -hmm. thrive in love? What does he need kind of a thing? And so I, I was willing to sacrifice. Like, I was willing to kind of, you know, go in the corner, keep my mouth shut, tiptoe, eggshell mm -hmm. it, if it meant that I could finally experience this plan. Yes. That Something you had outlined and you could win. Oh, yes. girl, it's so, so, so good. In another snippet of the book, you say this. When talking about some of the experiences that you had in the marriage, mm -hmm. you said the shame kept me from talking about it to other people, people, people who have, could have given me a clearer perspective, people who would have encouraged me to pause and take a deeper look. I own that. But shame has a way of driving you into isolation. And so, you know, I say a lot of times that God never intended us for Isolation Island. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you hear messaging that says, protect your marriage mm -hmm. and don't don't talk about it. And yes. so you found yourself, I'm assuming, in this quandary trying to do what you've heard, even mm -hmm. the preachers say, yes. but then dealing with this stuff. Yes. How did you 
finally become to reconcile that. And so I think the thing that really with the whole situation, it was shame was my natural disposition anyway. Mm. And so I, when I'm looking at the close people around me, I'm not finding anybody that I'm relating to that at least outwardly are having any kind of the same. So I'm not talking to anyone really about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm coming up with my own conclusions, which are distorted. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, work harder, do, do what's asked of you, do this, do this, do this. And I, and I feel like I'm, I keep failing. Be the good girl. Yes, yes, yes. Like don't, don't, don't ruffle the feathers and this and this. And when you're failing consistently, it's more shame, Mm -hmm. which leads you to retreat even Uh, more. It's just this perpetual cycle. It's it's a perpetual cycle of it over and over again. And then so desperately feeling like if I could just do this more, then I can still, you know, save it. Yeah. So as you go through this journey, it felt very um, public for you when you Mm -hmm. realized that it's going to end in divorce. Yes. And it felt very public. Um, And you know what's interesting when you were talking earlier, we were talking about the scarlet letter and how it seemed like everybody sees. One of the things that is the reality is that we're more consumed with our world than other people are. I remember when Lee called out the wedding. I remember when he called off the wedding (laughs) and I didn't, I wasn't wearing my engagement ring, of course, Mm -hmm. anymore. And at that time I was dancing um, at church. Okay. Because see the folks, I was dancing at church. I did liturgical dance at church. Please be clear. Because you you told me something. He called off the wedding and I was dancing. (laughs) And I remember, Nikki, this big, we went to a big, big mega church Mm -hmm. and I was dancing. And I remember thinking as I'm doing my liturgical dance that people are like, she's not wearing her ring anymore. This was not no 18 carat. I don't even know what carats are supposed to be. It wasn't no big ring. But I thought that people were, during praise and worship, were paying attention to the fact that I didn't have my ring on. So I'm saying that to say that we often care more about what's going on in our lives than everybody else does. However, with that said, within the realm of your life or in the realm of our life, people are watching. Mm -hmm. So it felt like this spotlight was shined on you during this divorce. You already have this shame disposition that's going on Mm -hmm. that people would never know because you're so darn fly. So they wouldn't know that about you. You don't walk around Mm -hmm. looking shrunk um, or retreating. And there was a lot going on within the friend, what felt like within friend circles, right? I'm just kind of laying the foundation with this. So one of the things that I have admired about the journey is that you didn't say much. Mm -hmm. You were very quiet throughout the journey. You just put your head down and, you know, you weren't doing social media posts. You weren't doing, uh, what do they call things I hate so much? So sub tweets. Mm -hmm. You weren't doing sub text. You weren't doing any of that. You were trying to be very quiet um, and just go along. Why was that so important to you? I don't feel like I was hearing God a lot in mm-hmm. that time. I mean, it, everything just felt very muffled, but I was, I felt very confident that God told me to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I cause I wanted to, so it wasn't mm-hmm. like I was over there like, hmm. Like you're such a strong I'm so, one. Right. I'm not even bothered at all. Like, you know, there were things that I was bothered about there. I mean, I'm, I'm human, so mm-hmm. I wanted to say and do things, 
but I was, it, it was very clear to me that I wasn't supposed to. And even moments where I would find myself, it would be like this conviction, conviction like, no, ma'am. And so, and because I wasn't hearing God in other areas and it was so clear, I, and, and because I was so desperate for his healing, mm-hmm. his restoration, I needed his peace. I needed our connection. I, it wasn't worth a, a post on Instagram. Girl. wasn't worth disconnecting because it was my lifeline, you know, like. Because at this point, your relationship with God was restoring. You were restoring I it would, and you yes. were feeling a different um, connection. So you, one of the things you said in the, in the book, you talk about how. You and I had a little argument and how Indeed. <laughs> because one time you were saying um, during our many event sessions and you were saying, um, why do I have to be the one? Why do I have to be the one? Why everybody else can say something? Why do I have to be the one that was quiet? And I said to you, um, you don't have to be. So you don't have to be quiet. You absolutely can say something, but you're the one who said that God told you to be quiet. Mm-hmm. So if you choose to say something, you're just, because you know, that's the the uh, rawness of our decisions. If you decide, I feel God said this, but I'm just going to do something different, you can. So Nikki, you go on to say this. After that conversation, you say this. I felt such a huge shift in my life, in my relationship with God at this point, not just from that conversation, but just period. Mm-hmm. I felt a huge release of God's grace over me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had ever felt like I was walking in God's grace until this point. I had 2 Corinthians 12, 9 written across my mirror and I would recite it every day. My grace is for sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. I was reading that in a new way that in order for God's power to be perfect in our lives and his grace sufficient, it required our vulnerability and weakness. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that moment for you. Man, I I mean, that, that time in my life was just, I had just never, that was just such a turning point with my relationship with God. Because before then we were on that roller coaster, right? I love you, hate you, mm-hmm. love you, hate you. Mm-hmm. You're doing, you're doing it, doing what I want you to do. Yes. Like you're not doing anything for me. And I mean, <laughs> yes. and just you abandoned me, right? Like, yes. I mean, just back and forth, back and forth. And I realized I had a hello. I I didn't have the luxury of that. Yes. Like I needed it here consistently in order to survive. I mean, at that point, I'm pregnant and I have a one-year-old, I am unemployed, I don't have a job, I don't have a car, I don't know what tomorrow equals, let alone next month, Mm -hmm. let alone when my baby gets here. And so I leaned in so hard to my relationship with God and I felt like for the first time he was actually leaning into me. Mm -hmm. And that was such a different perspective because my view of him before had been not good enough you know Mm -hmm. you're not good enough you're not worthy oh like okay dance perform Uh, Mm -hmm. like boo you know like Apollo Mm -hmm. kicking her off the stage kind of a thing and I I viewed his perception of me as different Mm -hmm. and I actually felt like loved and accepted by God and so I changed my perspective too about how I wanted to show up and it wasn't it wasn't about posting or going tit for tat it was about like how I at the end of the story yeah you know 
how I want the story told about me, not about nobody else, but how I want the story told about me, Mm -hmm. how I want God to view me during this process and how much I needed his presence to stay with me. I couldn't afford Mm -hmm. to be doing all this and all that and tiptoe out of his grace because that was the only way I was sustaining, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I made a choice, not that it wasn't tempting, but I made a choice based off of what I needed. And what you were receiving And what from I was receiving him. back. Oh, Nikki's so powerful. So I want you to make sure you get Unplanned Perfection because Nikki really goes through the journey of how you even got to this point, like mm-hmm. how she got to the point of um, recognizing she was desperately needing God. And she really goes into to great detail. It's such a beautiful, beautiful journey. And what is so beautiful about it is that you're still on the journey. It's not yes. like you got divorced yes. and then you met your knight in shining armor. Yes. You're still on the journey, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It's it doesn't, you know, and I think that's the <laughs> that's the thing like we want it we want it to be like, okay, scene. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Go skip skip into the sunset, you know, and it's still it's still a journey with myself. It's still a, a journey of healing with me. Yes. A journey of discovery and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. It's it's a ever evolving process but even in my relationship with God especially in my relationship Mm -hmm. with God because this this new view is five years yes and so I got a whole lot more time in history of the distortedness that I'm still processing through and so it's it's I have a different perspective though and a different belief system I think that's the difference I'm not doing it feeling like I'm not worthy of it. You know, like Uh, you just, you know, you are now. It's just, you know, making myself believe that. One of the things I've watched and tell me, do you feel this? I've watched you rebound quicker when the distortion shows up. Mm -hmm. Would you say that you find yourself doing that? I mean, because self-awareness, like once you know, and I mean, and it's healing. At first you're like, oh, like, (laughs) get punched in the chest. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's me. But once you realize it, you, you can see it, you mm-hmm. can see it, you know, and, and that's power because yes. then you realize like, I could talk back yes. to this. Like, yes. I don't, I don't have to play this out to the end. Yeah. I used to play <laughs> once a starts, like, I'm not stopping till Z. Okay. We about to and get give it pointers. And then this happened. Oh, and this, and this, yes. and, and it's a, but I'm like, I can I can pause that at C. And go on, come on yes. back, you know. And we might, I might stay in D for a little I bit. Might stay in D, but I'm gonna get on back over yes. here to act because I know the price I'm gonna pay. And it's not worth it. It's not worth it's it to go all the way down there to Z. Worth it, and then having to do the work. So because yes. I'm gonna have to come back. I I can't. I don't have. I can't live at Z. I can't live in. I don't in, have the luxury, and we don't have the luxury to live at Z. And so recognizing that almost, and that's where relationships come in. Having people in your life that can mm-hmm. serve as an anchor, so that you can come on back, you know, um, and making sure that you're not having intimate relationship with people who support yes. the distortion yes. or. Um, trigger the distortion without recognizing it, you know, because again, we are all doing life together. And so I may trigger it, but then I'll know, wait, that's okay. <laughs> Never mind. Or when you're in a safe relationship, mm-hmm. you can say, 
most of my closest girlfriends will say, Robin, I can't, don't do that. I can't do it today, <laughs> right? And so I can say the same. So I think that that is a beautiful thing. So we are done. I just want to ask you, what do you want people to get out of your story? When they read the story of Unplanned Perfection, mm -hmm. it, the book is coming out August what is the date? I was about to pull it. August, August 27th. Make sure. Listen, follow Nikki on Unplanned Perfection on Instagram. As you should. DM her and she might give you a little discount. Listen. It comes out August 27th. So DM her. What do you hope people get out of your story? That let's not to get stuck at the unplanned. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I got for so much of my life, it was planned, unplanned, stuck replay 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 mm -hmm. and that there is hope there really is hope beyond mm -hmm. it not working out there's hope beyond pain there's hope beyond disappointment mm -hmm. and if you lean into that like yeah. you really can get to like where you recognize and understand that this and this and this mm -hmm. is because of that you know and just to lean into the after yeah and, and and not the disappointment i love that and so i cannot wrap up this podcast without asking you about your superpower motherhood is your superpower so tell us a little bit about carter and cadence their ages and what okay. motherhood means for you um they're five and seven and so my son is seven my daughter is five she's five going on 15 or is 15. yeah honestly. she argues with my my the fact that my daughter's like my daughter's getting into fights with her she is 15 but yes. she's technically five um but they are my world mm -hmm. i mean you know that they they are my lifeline mm -hmm. i i think about the hardest times in my life and they are always that anchor yes. back to um back to out of the dark place mm, back mm -hmm. out of sorrow back into healing yeah. um they they are what pushes me like past fear honestly mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when i when i think about the story i want them to tell of their mother yeah when i think about them growing up and what what they witness of me it shapes how i show up in life mm -hmm. it really does um but they really they are my everything they are motherhood really is your superpower i think that you have a unique strength and grace and anointing i mean all of us are anointed to once we have children we know that god has called us to mm -hmm. motherhood but honey it's your superpower and i think you do it graciously and beautifully and as an example to so many of us and Thank so you. i'm so proud of the woman that you are tell everybody how they can get in contact with you so that they can stay connected so on Instagram, you can follow me on at um, Unplanned Perfection. On Facebook, you can follow me at Unplanned Perfection. Or you can go to my website, unplannedperfectiononline.com. The book comes out. The book comes out August, tell me again, 20, August 27. 27. So make sure you get your copy. Now, this is a special edition. It is not going to be this size. I wish I had an example of the size. So when you get your book, I don't want you to be like, wait, thinking what's a, the problem? Mine, okay? <laughs> this is Nikki's copy. <laughs> but it is Unplanned Perfection, Finding Hope Beyond the Disappointment of Life lost in love thank you for being with thank me thank you sister. for having me i love you love we'll you see more. you guys again next time on intentional conversations with robin may and friends i hope you enjoyed this episode of intentional conversations with robin may and friends listen these conversations are to help you live intentionally fully engaged to help you elevate not just what you do 
but who you are. And listen, I am committed to being in the trenches with you. If you haven't already, make sure you head on over to youcanlivelife.com slash academy. Yes, girl, the academy doors are open. This is where you get to dive into further conversations on our podcast topics. We get to dive into the trenches of the life course, the course that I have created to help you create the life that you long for. And we get to have monthly office hours where you can ask me any questions you have about all of this. Girl, Life Academy is where we can do life together. So head on over to youcanlivelife.com slash academy.